Hi, everybody, and thank you for checking out the Dancing Eyes podcast, episode 20. My name's Frankie Caputo, and today my guest is Chad. Chad was born with congenital nystagmus and is legitimately the best skateboarder I've ever met. This guy is ridiculous on the skateboard, and you can check out some of his videos on his Instagram, which will be linked in the description. Some of the topics we discuss in this episode are skateboarding with nystagmus, stand-up comedy, and Chad's career in graphic design. Timestamps will be located in the description. Guys, if you have an Instagram and you aren't following the Dancing Eyes podcast on there, you are totally missing out. We are posting a bunch of clips from the podcasts on there, and we have a good little community going, so I highly recommend checking it out. You can find us by typing in Dancing Eyes Podcast or just by clicking the link to the Instagram in the description. This episode of the Dancing Eyes Podcast is sponsored by the American Nystagmus Network. ANN works to improve the quality of life for all persons and families affected by nystagmus through organized community, support, education, public awareness, and research. Guys, if you use Amazon and would like to donate to ANN, you can easily download Amazon Smile for no extra cost, and Amazon will donate some of their proceeds to the American Nystagmus Network. A link to ANN will be available in the description. If you're watching this episode on YouTube and you haven't done so already, please hit that like and subscribe button, and also leave me a comment. Let me know what you think. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure to rate the show. I appreciate it. Lastly, new episodes will be out on the first and third Monday of every month, so make sure to keep your eyes out for those. With all that being said, I hope everyone listening enjoys and gets something from this episode, and let's get on to the show. Alright, what's up Chad? How you doing, man? Doing great. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. Well, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, so I'm Chad Parkinson. I am from uh, Indiana. I currently live in Bloomington, Indiana, and um, I will I'll be dirty here next in the next month. And um, I am a graphic designer um, at Indiana University, and I am uh, a lifelong skateboarder. And I have cone rod dystrophy and nystagmus. Well, happy early birthday. We just passed my birthday a f- few weeks ago. When's your birthday? September 6th. September 6th. Oh, yeah. We're getting close. Yeah, oh. yeah man. Happy happy late birthday. Is it weird that I know what day of the week that is? Like, that's on a Wednesday, right? Pretty sure that's on a Wednesday. Uh, I don't even know. <laughs> I know it's close to, close to Labor Day, so I usually get that day off. <laughs> oh, okay. Cool. Sweet. Um, okay. Well, you skateboard. I think that that's awesome to me as somebody who has nystagmus, it's not completely surprising to see that there's people who have this condition who can skateboard, but I think to other people and maybe, maybe even parents of uh, children who are just diagnosed, this might be a little surprising here. So let's talk about the skateboarding. When did you get into that? Uh, yeah. So I, I got into skateboarding at around 11 years old. So at this point, I've been skating for almost like 18 or 19 years, and uh, I, I got into it as a way of just kind of exploring what my thing would be, you know, like I tried to play a lot of ball sports, and hand-eye coordination isn't necessarily uh, someone with nystagmus' strong suit, so <laughs> I, I, uh, I really struggled with participating in teams, um, and, and just keeping up, you know, I felt like it was really busy for me, whereas skateboarding was something that I could like take anywhere and kind of take the matters in my own hands. And I quickly just started falling in love with it and really loved like the, the trial and error of it. So, yeah, kept up with it ever since. 
So it's interesting to me how like your eyes may have gotten in the way of you doing other sports, but meanwhile you tried out the skating. Were you hesitant to try the skating or did you just go straight for it? No, like I really wasn't because like, um, I haven't mentioned yet, but I have a twin brother and, um, we're identical. His name's Alex. And so we, we fed off of each other and he also has, um, cone rod dystrophy and a nystagmus. So we both were kind of like able to gas each other up a little bit, I think with a lot of ways of just like building confidence and him and I would, um, you know, like we'd ride bikes in the backyard or like we'd like roller skate and skateboard. But then like, it wasn't until like the Tony Hawk's underground game came out where we were like, Oh, you can like street skateboard. Like you don't need a vert ramp, you know? So we went outside, skated and him and I just like started getting really into like trying new tricks. And, and then we made a bunch of friends in skateboarding cause it's a really, really welcoming community. Um, so yeah, just, just, uh, we, once we started, we never stopped. I think that's so awesome that you have a brother, well, a twin brother who also has nystagmus, because I think a lot of people who have nystagmus uh, struggle to find others who could, who we could kind of relate to. At least I know for me, I never, I haven't met anybody with nystagmus until I started the podcast. So for you to have a twin brother who has nystagmus, I think that's, that's pretty sick. How do you think that that impacted your life? Aside from, you know, the pumping each other up and doing the skateboarding stuff. Um, yeah, I, I'm so thankful for him. Um, you know, just, you know, whether we have a a disability or not, you know, like he, he, of course we have like a twin bond. So, um, you know, like it's, it's unlike anything else, but, um, I, I definitely think like, although like we, we both were experiencing this and we had each other to kind of lean on in that sense. Like, I think like we both kind of still, experience situations that were a little polarizing you know because i think like much like a lot of people who have um spoke on your show like we just we we felt like it was really hard to uh lay under the radar with our visual impairment and you know so we still kind of just you know it it, it helped having support for one another but we were both very much like facing this because we were in separate classes and you know, we did have like our own friend groups um, that eventually like in a lot of times would form together, you know, and so. Right. Um, but like as we would like grow older and get into like high school where it's much larger, uh, full of kids, you know, it was just, yeah, it was it was still really tough for us, I think. But um, yeah. So what was so, the tough part there? Well, um, I mean, for Alex and I, like we we were able to have like um like certain accommodations like um so things that just kind of drew a lot of attention to us like one of the assistive technology um pieces that we were given was like a like a monitor with a camera on it and that's how we would use like we would use that to like zoom around to the whiteboard and stuff like that but we just showed up for class like for the first day of class, like maybe it was like third or fourth grade and it was in there and no one told us we were using this. And so we were like automatically nudged all the way to the front and we were using this. And I think like Alex and I were just so embarrassed, you know, we, we, we didn't want that kind of attention drawn to us. And, and now looking back, it's like, man, I wish we would have just been like more receptive to things like that, you know, more receptive to help and um, those kind of accommodations. So, 
we we kind of like since then like we like from there graduated to something more subtle like a binocular um so i did have one of those that i would use sometimes to be able to read the board um but you missed the time frame by just a little bit for the cell phones because when i was in school everybody had their phones out anyway the teachers would literally have everybody take pictures of the boards anyway so I i would just take a picture and just zoom in and i would be able to see everything Dude, I love doing that nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but Game yeah, changers. then it, I don't think I had a cell phone till I was like 18, like a, like a, a phone that was good enough to do something like that, you know? So yeah, this was a little before that, but it was, you know, so like my teachers would sometimes print notes out and, and have that prepared for us beforehand. But a lot of teachers also like, had some pushback with that. They didn't want to do a lot of the extra legwork to accommodate for us. So. Got you. Yeah. You're definitely the first. Uh, so I've had siblings on the podcast who have, well, I've had people on the podcast who have siblings who have nystagmus, but you are the first person to have a twin and an identical twin at that. That's sick. And yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Ha- I have a twin sister and she doesn't have nystagmus. So it's, it's very different. I never really had that person that I could come home to and uh, and just talk to about my eyes. I don't think I ever like spoke openly about my eyes to to anybody, man. I just kind of kept it to myself. And school was difficult for me, especially the early years in high school. Um, yeah. Usually, it, I never really got bullied for my lack of vision, but I got bullied for like aesthetically how my eyes looked and how like my my head movements and stuff like that. Do you relate yeah. to that at all? Yeah, definitely. Um, Definitely because like I have trouble with eye contact and I think like I have difficulty with social cues. Um, One habit that I developed over time and still kind of do this is that if if I'm having a difficult time focusing with my nystagmus, I tend to kind of look at the floor because it's almost like a a palate cleanser, I guess, visually. Like, so, um, for example, like the first date I went on with my girlfriend, I remember we were outside and she was sitting like in front of like this like lattice, but on a patio, you know, like, so it was like a cross pattern. Okay. And, and I remember like, I could not like look straight at her at all because the background behind her was so busy that it it was just oh, like, shit. like it, it caused my eyes to like really kind of freak out. I felt like, and so I, I I have this habit of looking down and I think like people associate that with like, um, you know, like, like if you like possibly have like autism or, um, you know, or, or of course, like if you're under the influence of something, if you're drunk or high or whatever. And so I've definitely heard that growing up. So it's a lot of things. Um, or just being shy too. Cause I will definitely have people ask me like, Hey, why are you so nervous? You look so you look so anxious. Like why, what, what's going on? And I'm just like, yeah. Oh, um, my eyes are just kind of always doing that anyway. I'm actually not nervous. I've been so calm, dude. I've been so calm in situations where I'll appear so nervous. And that's frustrating to me because I'm generally yeah. a pretty calm guy, but my eyes yeah. give me the appearance as if like the world's ending. <laughs> dude. And it, and it makes you nervous when people are putting you on the spotlight like that, you know, it's like, I wasn't nervous, but I am now. And, um, <laughs> So, so it's, it's, it's funny how that works. And I also have experienced something where I'm not sure if I've heard anyone on your show mention this yet. Um, but like my nystagmus sometimes when I'm focusing causes my head to shake. No, instead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Does that happen to you as well? 
For sure. Yeah. I, I don't notice it, but when I see videos of myself, I'll see my head doing this and just kind of going crazy. And I'm like, Oh shit. I didn't even know that my head does that. But now that I'm seeing myself on video, now I can see it. Yeah. It started a lot of shit for me because like people think I'm being like confrontational. Uh, So I've had that happen at the skate park once when I was like kind of just waiting to go. Like sometimes it's hard to assess when, some where someone's going and especially when it's crowded and so i think i was like looking at a distance but like really focusing and um this person was like no why are you shaking your head no at me like i was like oh like i I got put on the spot and kind of had to like explain to him what was up and you know we squashed it it was fine but man i i never even realized until you know i was called out for it so I think it's when, when we're moving or when there's things moving and we kind of have to like, cause it's difficult for me, at least I don't know about you, but to move my eyes to kind of have control over my eyes. So I'll just move yeah. my head in any, instead. So if I'm looking to the left, to the right, I'll just move my head instead of moving my eyes. And that'll totally look like I'm just saying no. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Skate. I feel like skate parks have got to be a tough place, especially at what, what are those called? The ramps? uh the pit yeah what? yeah you've like got people going back and, and forth yeah and, and like the our skate park here in bloomington we have a couple um but like the one i skate at the most is like it's called switchyard park it's a it's a big concrete park and for the most part um it's all the same tone of concrete so like one thing that's important for me is um contrast you know like being able to see if there's like um an example would be like my hometown park is like some shitty rough ground with like metal ramps on top of it and so like because it's like dark metal um ramps over like um you know like the different tone and texture of concrete i'm able to see that a little bit easier Uh where it's like with everything concrete it's a little harder to see all of like the different change in transition and all the different waves and and um and whatnot so that can be challenging, but now I know that park, like the back of my hand, you know, like I I've skated it so much. I know where everything's at. So I really have to just look out for people. Right. Which is a challenge. Sometimes it gets really crowded there. So earlier you mentioned when you were on, on your first date with your girlfriend that you kind of mm-hmm. had to keep looking down and readjusting your eyes and stuff. I'm curious, how did you bring up the nystagmus? That's your girlfriend. Um, well, actually, so we, we met online and, um, I, I, I more recently, whenever we matched, I decided to, um, put like a prompt on my profile that, um, it basically said like something that people would be surprised about. And I mentioned that I was a, a legally blind graphic designer and skateboarder. And she was the first person to comment on that. And she was really, um, intrigued by it. And, we talked a little bit about Andrew Huberman's podcast. He talks a lot about um, like Moving neurology and, and yeah, and, and, and vision and stuff. So she yeah. was, you know, really intrigued by that. And it stood out to me that she was interested. And so she actually like really wanted to know a lot about it and immersed herself in, into it. And, and so she, she met me with the context, knowing that I was already uh, visually impaired and, she actually told me this a couple weeks ago that she um she wore something really bright so that I would see her easier. 
And oh, I was like, nice. Dude. I was like, that's so sweet. It brought me in tears because I was like, man, like, yeah, dude, yeah, <laughs> like, no, there's, dude, she's she's amazing. But uh, yeah, so I mean, it it was really nice. It felt healthy to just kind of like be able to nip that in the bud because that's definitely been a bridge to cross in dating, you know. Yeah, nipping that in the bud is that's always been a thing for me. I never know. And I know I talk about this on the podcast a lot, but it's always difficult to kind of figure out when you're supposed to mention it. Do you have them, do you have the person that you're talking to say something or do you say something? And I've found it best for myself at least to just bring it up. A lot of people don't like to ask questions about that. Like if they think that you might perceive it in a negative way, then they kind of just refrain from asking it. And then in my head, that leads to there being like an elephant in the room and an inability to have a conversation because they're thinking about my eyes and now I'm thinking about my eyes because they're looking at my eyes funny. And I'm like, well, I should just, I should just say something. So how do you usually yeah. go about that? Well, yeah, I guess it does depend. Like if I met them online or if I met them like organically, like already in person, you know, like, um, yeah. So I've had like different situations like that. So if it was somebody that I met online, I would try to address it right away. Like if I feel like it's going somewhere, um, You know, like in the instance where I met Margaret, I already had it on my profile and it was just readily available for anyone to know about me. Um, And I'm I'm trying more and more to just be an open book about it. But um, yeah, I, I, I usually if I meet somebody, though, like I think because like I've compensated really well throughout the years, like a lot of people maybe wouldn't notice it right away. Um but like it does come up it like it comes up before i get an opportunity to mention it like why do you have to read so close and uh you know why are, why are, you know what's going on with your eyes you know and and i just tell them you know and this is what i have going on i was born with it and you know it and it just kind of it is what it is because you know but um but yeah i i i try to address it if i meet somebody virtually because like i can't drive so it's not like i'm coming to them and oftentimes like who I'm dating can kind of maybe see that as one-sided and yeah. How do you feel about that? Like the, your inability to drive because sorry, I also can't drive. So it, to me, it's a little, I, I I don't like the way that that feels in a relationship. Like I want to be able to pick, you know, my girl up and I want to be able to take her places. And uh, to me, like what you said, the one-sided thing, I don't want it to be one-sided. So how do you, how do you feel about that? How do you go about that? Uh, it's, I, I definitely have felt the same way, you know, and it's, I think for me, it was like a prideful thing that I had to be able to let go of, you know, because like, I think like the right person's going to meet me in the middle with that, um, and understand it. And, and, um, you know, thankfully I live in a city where I can walk to work and I can walk to the store and, um, I have Uber available if I need to, you know, really utilize that which is different from like where i was living two years ago didn't have it wasn't it wasn't that accommodating you know there wasn't anything like that and so i had to really rely on like family and friends and my mommy you know and it's like no no one wants to be almost 30 and and rely on their mom to take you to work or wherever you know but it's 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 something i had to really put my pride away for and understand that the people who help want to help um, well, that's a huge transition, man, to go from living from one place that's not accommodating to moving to a city where you can kind of walk. You said you're able to walk to your work. Yeah. How, how does that feel? Yeah. Honestly, like not being able to drive is like the biggest part of 
lack of independence, I feel like, you know, like I, I, I even have like reoccurring dreams of driving, you know, I think that's how much subconsciously it means to me, you uh -huh. know, cause, and, and I'm always driving at night for some reason, but I think it's because, um, I can see lights much easier at nighttime, you know, so I feel like that's, that would be always easier for some reason, just to be able to abide by traffic lights and maybe not for pedestrians <laughs> or anything like that, but if the pedestrians but, uh, were all wearing anyway, lights yeah. and that would be ideal. But, yeah. yeah, but it, it is such a peace of mind, like I, uh, being able to walk to work. Like I moved in this location for that reason, because I'm like seven blocks away from my office nice. and, um, you know, and I, I, I mean, like, I, I think like for a while I was looking for a ticket up here to Bloomington to be able to live and work because it, I knew it was going to be more my jam. Um, and I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's super helpful. Like I can think like, you know, like before I met Margaret, she does all the driving, but like before I met her, I think like I would go like months, like a month or two without getting in a car, you know? So some, I mean, it, it's so helpful. But that's awesome, man. I dream of getting into a city where I could get around whenever I want, wherever I want, without having to rely on somebody to drive me, without having to rely on a friend or especially Ubers, because, man, those things are getting expensive. If I want to go yeah. to the grocery store, that's two miles across the street. Uh, three miles. If it's like three miles across the street, man, it's like a $9 Uber trip. Yeah. And then then I have to come back. It's another nine dollar, eighteen bucks to go around and get yeah. the groceries. So it's just like now, Dude. I'd rather not do that. I'd rather just, I'd rather ask. I'm gonna put my pride to the side and ask for for a ride <laughs> instead of uh, mm -hmm. spending the eighteen bucks. But I would love to go live somewhere where I could just walk there or take a take a train or um, a subway. You know? Yeah, most definitely. Like that's what I've done is I walk down down the street to to our uh, grocery store and and then if I have too much, I Uber back. And that's kind of like been my way of going about it. But or I try to like because it's on my way to the skate park, too. So sometimes I'll get done skating and like hit up the store and like get as much as I can for like um, being able to walk it back home. So I'll get like little by little at a time and yeah, do it that way. But um, yeah, so all kinds of like little hacks in life that I've created because, I, you know, I think like once you have like a visual impairment like this, you kind of have like a. A method to madness that works for you you know yeah we we get uh we start coming up with habits that make things more accommodating to us so that we just kind of live our lives that way i think that's one uh pretty neat thing about nystagmus is it allows us to uh what's what's the word to uh to adapt to our environments you know not yeah. we because of the nystagmus we're just different than a lot of people it just makes us we have to deal with different life situations and because yeah. of that we have to adapt to it and it, my theory is it might give us um an, an edge up it might allow us to adapt to scenarios that other people might found more, find more difficult that's the way Most i look definitely. at it yeah, you face adversity a little bit and and you definitely like have to think creatively in certain instances, you know, and and I've you know, I've de developed certain habits that were just like habitual too. Like for me, like everything in my home has a place, you know, like uh, otherwise I'm going to have a difficult time finding it and you know, so I I've developed that habit way early on where like <laughs> I, I'm just like almost particular about things and 
so much so where it was like an obsessive type of behavior that I had to let go of a little, but, <laughs> but you know, so are you wearing contacts? How are you seeing? Yeah, right now I'm wearing contacts. I just started wearing contacts in 2020 and, um, it's been a game changer. Um, I, I don't know. I think like I was kind of in a similar boat as you when I was younger, where they were, they were wanting to try out contacts that were just incredibly uncomfortable. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. And I felt like they were like, they still kind of are a very, like a, a big commitment to have in whenever you're wearing them, um, say like throughout the day. Because for me, wearing my contacts, I can't really read with them in. Um, so like, you know, like if I hold my phone close, it's going to kind of distort things a little bit more and it's it's going to strain my eyes. Why? Why um, can't you read with them? Um, well, they, they help with my overall clarity, but like because I have such like a nearsighted vision where I, I normally look close when I read and write and work, um, I think my prescription doesn't really... It, it doesn't really complement that. It, gotcha. it, it, it strains my eyes when I hold things close to it. So, um, you know, so the only time I really wear them is like after work, um, when I'm like walking my dog or like you know, when I go to my second job, um, which is at a comedy club. I'd love to talk comedy with uh, you. Oh, we got to. We have yeah, to. Um, um, you know, and, and things like that, like if I'm going to the store or whatever, and, and especially skateboarding, like contacts for skateboarding has changed the game for me. It's just been so different. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I waited a long time to, to try them out, but I'm so glad I have them now. And are they comfortable? Are these the soft lenses? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're the soft ones. And at first I was really irritating my eyes. Like I really, I mean, I had a big learning curve trying to get them figured out, but but now, now it's not too bad. And I, I definitely went through like a trial and error with like the right kind of eye drops and stuff too. For sure. Um, can you see better with so, them than you did with the glasses? Yeah. And, and because like my prescription, I have like really thick lenses. And so like, for me, I felt like I had like a funhouse effect almost. And I was seeing the, the perimeter of my glasses too much. That happened to me too. Um, I had the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Those thick glasses are a pain in the ass, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like for lack of better terms growing up, I just kind of raw dogged it. I didn't wear any, <laughs> anything. <laughs> I didn't wear any nice. like glass. I hated wearing my glasses because like, I just felt like almost motion sick wearing them and I would wear them like I like gradually as I grew up I'd wear them more and and like become more comfortable wearing them when I needed to you know and um and I think my prescription now is definitely like the slimmest that they've ever been but um because of how thick they are and everything um you know you're limited to what kind of frames you can get for them and so it's never really going to be like what you want but yeah contacts eliminates that like i almost had an emotional moment whenever i put contacts in for the first time and just looked at my face in the mirror because it was like the first time i was really seeing my face clearly without like frames around my eyes you know oh yeah so that's it was it's a weird yeah, feeling yeah. right mm -hmm. yeah and you said you moved to the city about two years ago too right yeah so you yeah, moved right, to the city and right got contacts you moved to the city and got contacts like around the same time yeah, yeah, I moved. I moved in March of 2020, which was a golden time for oh. everyone. And <laughs> yeah. uh, so, I as soon as I moved to Bloomington, we went into lockdown, and and so I started my job 
or I moved and then started my job from home, like and worked from home for a year and a half. And um, and so later on that summer, I decided I'm going to finally like inquire about contacts because I go to a low vision specialist every year. And so I thought maybe now's the time to give it a try, you know, try again, because there are certain things that I've tried in the past that didn't work. And I like to try again, you know, after a period of time and just kind of reassess and driving was one of those things. Um, so you reassessed yeah. the driving and then after the reassessment, you were like, nah, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So like years ago, like when I was 20, I tried out driving with what's called bioptic glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, those are, have you heard of those? I have, but for anybody who doesn't know what they are, let's, let's explain them. Yeah. They're nuts. Um, so they're like, like mine were like a, a big, like headband, um, like a headband and like binoculars that pretty much rest over the nose of your, your glasses, like the nose, the bridge, nose guard, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And so you have like little binoculars you look through if you want to see in distance and then if you want to look through like your prescription glasses, you lift up and look through those and you make really wide head movements to be able to see peripherally. Um, bonkers. I looked like a cyborg. I was not comfortable with it. <laughs> Didn't you have it to train crazy. with them for a long time too, before you yeah. could use them? Like you had a to... long time and yeah. I just never got comfortable with it. And, and so I, I tried it at a young age and then later on, like I, I just thought, well, like, it's worth a shot again. So I explored it and they actually changed it quite a bit. What they have now is like a very slim looking, um, it's, I think it's one single lens that you look through, like one of your eyes looks through it possibly, but it's very slim. And, um, I tried it out, but I was told that I, I didn't meet the legal magnification. Um, what I was using was a seven times magnification and what was legal is five times. So, so they, they ruled it out for me. Hmm. Um, okay. Yeah. But it would have been much more comfortable using those. Uh, the, the newer one, you know, it wouldn't have been such a big mechanism that is on your head. Because honestly, whenever I was making head movements, it was moving too. And it wouldn't really stay in place very well. Yeah. So. Yeah. And aesthetically, I guess the new one probably looks a little better too. Those old ones are wonky. Yeah. You still look like you're you're blasting into the future, but uh <laughs> maybe in like a more modern it's, movie though. Yeah, like a twenty twenty yeah, movie awesome. as opposed to like a nineteen sixty movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so awesome that it's available though. Like not dogging anybody who's using that. I don't want to make light of it. You know, I just I, I I remember how I felt wearing it and that's just my experience, you know, but For sure. But, no, th- yeah, man, they're I, I I'm just gonna say, like they look a little wonky. That's totally cool though, because because they help a lot. That that's yeah. a big that's a game changer for a lot of people who can't drive, and you might you may not be able to drive, and then you get these bioptic lenses, and then boom, now you can drive. And yeah. I've met a couple people with I think maybe just one, but there might have been another one who uses bioptic lenses, and they wouldn't be able to drive without it. So I think that that's yeah. awesome. I'd wear them all day if I was uh, like, not, not literally, but like, I'd wear them, I'd wear them to drive if it was allowed for me for sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, so what's your vision? What are you seeing? Um, it's a good question. I don't really remember what my prescription is. I think my, my contact prescription is like negative six and a half, negative eight and a half. Oh, see, I don't know those numbers. I only know, like, I know that I'm pretty much 2040 in my right and 2016 my left. Huh. Yeah, I 
that's something that I've just never retained very well. And gotcha. Because I, you know, I, I would go like a few years before I would get like a, an update, like new, new glasses. Um, you know, I just hold on to the same ones. So I just kind of forget that kind of information. And it's never really helped me explain it to anybody either. You know, like, cause I, because I have like a few things kind of, um, you know, working in conjunction with one another. I got you. I started this this new thing where I'm trying to put on some muscle. So I've been eating 200 grams of protein a day, which that's wow. a ridiculous amount of protein. And you, if you want to eat that much food, you got to drink a lot of water. So, yeah, dude. I yeah. saw that. Like, so I, I checked out your personal page, and that's how I saw that you do stand up. But I was like, bro, he's buff. He's huge. <laughs> <laughs> I just never it. knew because I only see you from the neck up on this show. Yeah. <laughs> Man, yeah. I mean, I've never like I've always worked out and lifted weights and stuff. I've been I've been lifting since I was 15. But uh I've never intentionally was like, yo, I'm going to go into this. I'm going to put on a bunch of muscle. I'm going to get jacked. But that's kind of what I'm doing right now. I'm kind of going for it right now. So Good on you, man. That's yeah, great. Thank you. Well, let, let's talk about some comedy, man. What are you doing in the comedy club? Um, so so one of my one of my lifelong friends that I skateboard with, his sister, who I kind of also grew up with, like she works at the Comedy Attic here in Bloomington. And I think she's been there for about four years. And I I, I started coming as a guest here and there. And um, uh, I because I moved closer to campus, I, I kind of needed a secondary job, like secondary income to pay for it because cost of living is really expensive in this area. Um, even though I have like a shoe box of an apartment, but I, uh, I, uh, she, she was like, Hey, uh, if you're interested in a second job, we need somebody to just work the door. Um, and so I, I, I was like, you know, that doesn't sound too bad. And so I started, I didn't even have an interview and I, I've been there for like a year, uh, pretty much a year and a half. And, um, it's been great, especially like during the pandemic. I kind of wanted to get out of the house a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and I mean, we are the Comedy Attic is one of the top ten comedy clubs in the U.S. It's just very well received. I've heard of it. And uh, we have a great time, man. I love everybody that I work with. I love getting to interact with our comics and our local comics. And dude, just like the best time i never thought i'd see myself like in this community yeah and and like i i live vicariously through everybody who who does stand up but yeah it's just it's it's so fun the night life is a little odd for me though because i um because you know in the comedy club the lights are usually down but then there's bright lights everywhere and that always messes with my nystagmus things it's just harder for me to see in that environment you ever deal with that yeah, because our club's really dark, and uh, I stand by our ticket booth, like by the exit of exit in the room in the the venue, and so like while I'm waiting by the door all night, I'm I'm kind of like there's like one light in particular that's just beaming me the whole time, oh, you know, and so yeah. that's that's where I'm like kind of looking around, I'm kind of looking at the floor, you know, because I can't really like stare up towards the stage too well, right, you know, throughout the whole night. Um, and um, I've also kind of felt like with my contacts, I've developed a little bit of a light sensitivity. Um, even like walking home at night, you know, like I'll walk in like certain headlights just 
seem almost as if they have like their brights on or something and maybe they do but i feel like i'm a little uh i'm a little weak to that now i hear you yeah the comedy scene is a it's a weird one man it's a weird place (laughs) how long have you been doing stand-up not long i just started very recently i started uh what it's july i started in uh my first set was in may so i just started i'm just getting my feet into it and uh i've gone up about eight times now and it's it's That's fun so cool. i've kind of been bombing a lot lately if i'm being honest with you the first four or five times i went up i was dude i was killing it i had some good <laughs> material i wasn't good and i'm still not good i'm so far from good it takes so long to be good at comedy but yeah. i had a lot some good premises and some decent punchlines and people were laughing at the punchlines and then uh you know open mics it's a weird thing because it's mostly just a, you have two different kinds of audiences at open mics usually the first one is it's other comedians who are trying to go up or mm-hmm. it's people who didn't know that there was an open mic <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah. tough it's tough to kind of like get a decent audience but uh yeah. the first time i went up there was three people there and two of them were my family and the other guy was just the host so it was really awkward and then uh, I've, I've definitely sensed that in the room before when it's like when it's a smaller audience the energy is so off and it's hard to i think it's hard for people to be receptive to to even the best you know and, it's not even worth it like Chappelle could have gone up there and bombed i don't know it, yeah i'm just kidding tough. he's too good he wouldn't have bombed but <laughs> <laughs> i've seen it happen to the best though man i mean really yeah it, it and you know and and then like for me like what well we're in like a, a big college city you know um because the indiana university bloomington is like the largest campus and uh, and, and so like we get a lot of college kids and like frat bros and people who are like, they're, they're just, they're there to support their one buddy, but they're like heckling everybody else. Oh and yeah. That's like part of my role <laughs> is to like go around and say, Hey, I'm really glad you're having a great time, but you need to like keep your, your table talk down. Like I can hear you from the door or whatever, like, yeah. you know, or tell them not to interact with who's on stage, you know? What are some but, good uh, stories? Anything, anything crazy go on? Oh yeah. Um yeah, um just over the weekend we had Cal Kinane and um we he sold out every show but like towards the I think it was like the last day or like the day before um we do two shows a night and so I think this was like the last show we had um we had like some like this couple like they were arguing in the crowd, you know, and and I was squinting like couldn't see where they were. <laughs> that's one thing that's really tough since it's a dark venue you know so i was squinting and i decided to like go walk through and see where it was coming from just like follow their voice and um so there i found them they're arguing and i like lean between them and i say hey i can hear you from the door um do you mind keeping your voice down and this dude was like he like he mumbled some shit to me like he 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 like gave me some attitude and i was walking away but i turned back around and i leaned to him on just his side and i said what was that? You know, like kind of like kind of stirring the pot, but also like like I wanted to know what he said, and he was like, he "said Get the fuck out of my face," is what he told me. Damn. You know, and so like I looked at him, and like I looked over at his girl, and his girl was like looking over me at our server, um, and she was like preparing their checks. You know, so we both like kind of nipped it in the bud mm-hmm. at the same time to like get them out of there, but like 
they cussed out like the people next to them and they were being disruptive and all that. So we had to kick them out. And that's um, tough as a comedian to, to see that happen and then go on with your set. Yeah. It's funny because last time Kyle was in, I was there as a, as a, as a customer and some stuff like that happened too. Like we had some, (laughs) maybe it's just his audience. Maybe it's his fans. They, They like to do that. He didn't notice it this time, so he actually thanked us. He's like, wow, good work. You guys, you know, didn't even, I didn't even notice. <laughs> so, so he killed it all weekend, though. It was, it was a good one. Here's a funny nystagmus comedy story for you. So I was performing last week, and I had gone back to that very first spot that I went to. So there was like four or five people in the yeah. in the crowd, a couple of which were my mom and my sister. And I was performing going on through my set and then i went through my five minute set and the host was like nah man stay up there keep going and i was like i was like well i don't really have anything he said don't worry about it just wing it do some crowd work i was like shit okay (laughs) (laughs) so so i go on and i'm i'm completely bombing i i take out my phone to look up some of my old jokes i'm completely bombing and uh and this woman walks out and I'm like, oh, thank you for staying until the end of my set. Like trying to get some crowd work going on with her. And she just yeah. walks out. And then anyway, set's over. I I go down. And one of the guy in the audience members like, uh, good work. Don't stand over there. And I'm like, well, what happened over there? And he was like, what, you didn't see? And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, dude, this woman was throwing up for like three minutes throughout your whole set. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. I had no idea. Yeah. So this, I I bombed so hard that I made this woman throw up. So anyway, (laughs) and I obviously like my eyesight's so bad, man. I didn't even see it. I was just going through, I was going through my material on stage. Meanwhile, this chick was throwing up the the whole time. And I, I could have, I could have maybe worked with that. I could have maybe, you know, tried cracking some, some jokes about that, but I didn't even see it. And, and yeah. Yeah. How did she, um, or well, like, so I would be like seeing flashes of light probably while I'm up there, which is like kind of ironic because they flash a flashlight at our comics whenever they have like a minute left yeah. or mm-hmm. what have you. And so like, I've been curious, like, because I have been curious about like, if I ever want to write material and like try it out, you know, but I mean, cause I feel like I would have a lot of um like, I don't know, like a lot of like fun stories to tell, but um. Anyway, I, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even know if I would notice a flash like letting me know I have a minute or when to be done. I feel like I'd have to like set a timer or I usually don't notice it. I don't it. even know how I'd be able to like keep track of what I wrote down either. Yeah, I usually don't notice that. it. I performed once at a comedy club. Usually open mics aren't always at comedy clubs, but there was one time that I performed at a comedy club and there was about 50, 60 people over there and yeah. um, they allowed for 4 minute sets. And I did my four minutes and I kind of like nailed it. Like I got it finished right when I needed to get it finished. And, um, and then they had been trying the, the light and I didn't see it. So they started playing off. They started playing YMCA to get me to come off stage (laughs) and I didn't see the light, man, but apparently everybody else saw it. My, my family saw it, but I didn't see the light. I don't, but, and then I went backstage and then the other comics were like, yeah, man, I didn't see the light either. So I was like, okay, cool. So Uh, it's not, it's not just me. Yeah, that comes with the territory, man. I've watched people go on, you know, way longer than they were supposed to. And 
Yeah, well, that's annoying as hell because they tell you, usually they'll tell you how long you have. And especially you're working at a legit comedy club. So if you when you sign up for that, they're like, hey, by the way, this is how much time you have. It's usually between three yeah. and five minutes. So you, mm-hmm. you got to plan accordingly. If they give you three minutes and do a three minute set and it's, it's a pain when people don't do that. So for me, the yeah. light isn't, the light hasn't been very relevant to me just because I plan according to how much time I have. So, yeah, but definitely. one time I did notice the light and that's just cause the host was standing right in front of me and he just flashed it right in front of my face. I was like, gotcha. I, I see it. Thank you. Yeah, I think like that's, that would be like how I approach it. I guess like if I was to ever try, because you know, I'd need them to say like, Hey, like, you know me, I have a visual impairment. So if I don't notice this, just like keep flashing it and I'll, I'll, I kind of know where they'll stand. So I would like have to just like keep looking that direction possibly or something, but but also, if they did it, out. if they tapped their finger over the flashlight, like if they made the light go flickering instead of just mm-hmm. a steady light, I'm sure that would be easier to see as well. Oh, yeah. 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 That's so neat. I, I was, yeah, I was really, I was really excited when I learned that you do stand up, man. <laughs> Dude, oh my God. It's so terrifying. At least the, the first two times that I went up, it was so terrifying. It was the worst feeling. There's so much anxiety. And then now the anxiety has kind of started to go away because now that I've been bombing, I'm like, okay, that's as bad as it's going to get. So there's nothing really to be like last time I went up, I just bombed for 10 minutes straight and a woman threw up. It doesn't really get worse than that (laughs) unless she threw up on me. Like that's kind of as bad as it could have (laughs) gotten. So yeah, dude, what are those tattoos? Let me see your tattoos. What do you got um, there? I have quite a bit. Like, so all my whole, my arms are completely filled up and I, I just got a, a rose hand tattoo like, uh, last Sunday. That's sick. So uh, almost a week and a half ago. Yeah. So it's, it's healing. My, my hand hair is growing back. Nature is healing. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, I got, I got quite a bit. They're all like American traditional tattoos. Um, kind of like the the uh the technique behind that is just with like bold line work for longevity mm-hmm. you know so um, it looks and, like uh, they were done know. well thanks yeah I, I got a guy i've been going to since um 2016 but i've been getting tattooed since i was like 17 though like and it was like i think like a longer span from when i was 17 to then and then once i linked up with my tattooer his name's jeremy galloway him and i just we we session you know, every four or five months, um, except for the re- like, I just got this one done and I'm getting my other hand done here this next in this month. So, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, but yeah, we link up and we knock it out. He's, he's been my dude for a while. I think, yeah, I think usually what happens is people will kind of tattoo for a bit and they'll kind of just keep going to different people and they just find that one person and they just stick with that one guy. Yeah. Or one. I think like, yeah, I like the, I like the continuity with all of them now, like being able to like see the similar style with one another. But I also respect somebody who like loves tattooing to where they go to like their favorite artists and kind of collect in different places. Um, yeah. I think if I was more mobile, I would definitely do that, you know, but I would love to I do that. that. I got I'm trying to save up for a tattoo. I, uh, I had a goal that I set for myself and I ended up hitting the goal and instead of getting a tattoo, I got a watch instead. So, Oh yeah. Sick. Uh, Cause I just, I, I really want, it was a nice watch, but like the tattoos, I've always wanted a tattoo so bad, but I'm, 
I always struggle to make that commitment. Like this is going to be on yeah. my body for the, I'm, I do trust me. I'm going to have sleeves. Like by the time I'm your age, I'm going to have sleeves. It's going to be ridiculous. But what right, right now I have nothing. Um, that's the thing. I don't know. I just kind of want cool stuff. My mom keeps telling me because my mom has tattoos everywhere. And she always tells oh, yeah. me, she's like, only get something that you love. Only get something if it means something to you. And I'm like, mm-hmm that's cool and all, but I don't think it's going to go down like that. I think I'm going to get a lot. <laughs> I think I'm going to get a lot of stuff that just looks yeah. cool. It might not be meaningful, but that's just me. Oh, yeah. My first few were meaningful, but like now, like a lot of them, they're not like brimming with meaning. They're just like, they, they just look nice, you know? And I think like, that's definitely a big part of it is like, if you have like subject matter that won't open any kind of negative doors and that it's like well done then that's really like the best recipe for it you know and like yeah i think like american traditional has a lot of really like um beautiful subject matter that everyone can relate to you know and so um it's a neat style yeah and i have like a lot of like animals and different things like arrowheads and I have like a caterpillar. I do have a fun one of um, a blind mice walking a guide beetle or a guide beetles guiding him um, <laughs> on the back of my arm. So that one's That's pretty sick. cool. Do you have them on um, your Instagram? I got to check for them. Uh, that one might be buried pretty deep on there, but I think it's on there. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't post all of them, but yeah. Slightly yeah, off topic. I don't even know if I'm going to keep this in the episode, but you mentioned Andrew Huberman earlier. Did you know that yeah. he, do you know, did you know that he's loaded with tattoos? Is he really? He, he always wears long sleeves, but apparently I heard him talking about this on a podcast recently, but sleeve, sleeve, yeah. chest, back, just everywhere. He was yeah. like, I barely have any empty space and I had no yeah. idea. I think that that's, that's so cool. Sick. Yeah. He's, he's so cool, man. He's a, uh... He, like like i've already been interested in him but like he also like appeared on one of my favorite skateboarding podcasts and he grew up skateboarding and so he talks a lot about like neurology with that you know and and so like he's i've been i've been geeking on him a little bit here and there and he's, he's a cool dude so is lex friedman yeah. lex is a cool yeah, guy yeah yeah. Definitely. yeah my girlfriend's been getting me on on with them too so and even just speaking about skateboarding and comedy but i don't know if you're familiar with mark normand but he's a hilarious stand-up yeah. comedian he's really good skateboarding yeah. too really good yeah skateboarding. yeah he appeared on the nine club as well um that's that that's a skateboarding podcast that i tune into and yeah he had an episode earlier this year okay yeah so that podcast is getting a wide spectrum of people <laughs> from mark norman yeah. to andrew huberman that's a yeah, wide they range have branched out quite a bit yeah good for them that's what's up um all right so let's i want to talk about your career a little bit here because you're a, a graphic designer correct yeah yep so um, i think that that's pretty neat you know i've had a couple i've had a couple couple people who don't do the same thing that you do but they i've had uh like a graphic engineer and uh mm-hmm. other d- design designers so what does your job entail um so so my job at indiana university is working in the marketing and communications office um, so I'm their graphic designer and I create all of our web advertisement, our, um, images for social media. Um, I work with recruitment to create anything for events or swag or anything that we want to kind of help promote, uh, the school with. And then, um, I create a lot of different like print deliverables, like, um, we work on booklets and brochures, business cards, flyers, things like that. 
Um, and in the midst of it all, I supervise and, and mentor a couple students every semester. So um, ideally, I get like a junior and I keep them for, you know, a couple years until they graduate. And then they're like ready for working in the real world. So, nice. Um, yeah. So so it's really exciting. I love my team. I really, really enjoy what I do. Um, it was a long road getting to, to here where I like got a job that I really felt like was like exercising my skills and really enjoyed, but I kind of like freelanced before this and, you know, was able to kind of take matters in my own hands that way. But yeah, really, really love what I'm doing at IU. And how did, how did they react when they found out about your eyes? Was, was there any problems there or they were just completely cool with it? No, no. Um, no, I think I remember being straightforward about it in my interview um, with my my previous supervisor and my now supervisor because um, they were both in the interview. But my 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 uh, current my previous supervisor just retired like a month or two ago. Um, but um, so I mentioned it, and they didn't really they didn't really bat an eye about it. You know, um, nice. I was just transparent about like some of the difficulties that um, could happen, you know, like mentioning just like transportation's a little difficult for me. And um, that like, if I was to receive the the offer that I would move up to Bloomington, you know, so that it, that would be kind of resolved. Um, you know, and like I said, I wanted to take it up here anyway. Um, and so, um, yeah, they were, they were receptive of it. Cool. You know? Neat. Yeah. Um, so to kind of close the podcast a little bit i'm curious do you have any any advice for people who are living with nystagmus any advice um yeah i i think like just overall embrace it you know don't be ashamed of who you are um you know i lived way too long being ashamed of um how people might think of me or like embarrassed to ask for help you know or uh you know, just, just, um, like find a way to be able to adapt and make things work for you and, and be bold and be yourself, you know, because you, you are capable and, uh, you know, like you, you can, you, you can figure it out, you know, like if anyone, if anyone can say like, uh, that, um, you know, that, that you can figure out it's me. I felt like for a long time, I was just kind of like, not sure what career I would do, not sure what I was going to do growing up. I thought I was going to be on disability for a long time, uh, you know, and I, I just, I just want you to be your biggest advocate, you know, for yourself and, and, uh, you know, forge your path. Awesome. Um, was Good. that too wordy? <laughs> no, man. Perfect. Perfect. I felt like I, I just word vomited worse than uh, the girl at your standup. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what about some advice for parents here? Anything that you can tell to the parents? I think, I think like what's important, like as a parent is just to be able to, um, allow, allow your child to be able to try, try certain things and not, not be able to hinder them from any kind of growth. You know, um, I think like a lot of times what I've noticed and uh, especially like, like with my mom and my dad is that like they had their reservations, um, you know, growing up, I think like, you've mentioned on the show they that um like sometimes parents have a way of coddling their child if they have any kind of impairments you know and my mom was definitely definitely like that and you know like she she just wanted us to be careful and like i think that held me back from a lot of valuable things that i needed to learn mm -hmm. um 
you know, and I think she was also afraid of hurting my feelings, you know, and so she 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 was our biggest advocate and stood up for us. But she also was like, I think, like, kept us kept us from being bold in certain instances, you know, where like, uh, you know, we really we really could have benefited from uh, just, you know, uh, as we've mentioned, being adaptive, being courageous, you know, and uh, trying it out and figuring out by trial and error, you know, like, okay, maybe that didn't work out or maybe that wasn't as bad as we thought it was, mm-hmm. you know, so. Yeah, just yeah. a healthy balance of that, you know, because think about it this way. Your mom could have found out that you were going to go skateboard. She could have been like, no, don't even think oh, about yeah. that. That's Oh, yeah. I think there's some parents out there who, you know, might not know that your child with nystagmus can skateboard. So it's really mm-hmm. good to keep that in mind, I think. Yeah, yeah. She used to follow us to grade school because we would walk to school. We lived only two blocks away, but she would like she would be like 30, 40 feet behind watching us as we went to school, like making sure we got there. Okay. You know, and oh, she cares. So when we, we got old enough to like walk to the skate park and all that, it took her a while before she started letting us do it more and more and being on our own even, you know, but that's kind of like growing up anyway, you know, we started to earn that trust and, you know, was able to speak for ourselves on what our limitations were. So got you. Cool. So, um, do you have anything that you want to add before I end the episode? Um, I, I want to thank you. I really appreciate what you're doing because, um, watching this show has helped me, um, feel like I'm finding like a sense of community after all these years. Like I said, I'm almost 30 and like really besides my twin, you know, never really felt like I had like anybody to relate to this kind of thing with. And, um, you know, I'm somebody who has cone rod dystrophy, but, as I've listened to each of uh, your guests, I've recognized that like so much of what I see is due to my nystagmus and I never really realized that. And so um, I I found that like a lot of your guests are really relatable and everyone um, is just so awesome, including you. You're doing such a great thing by doing this. And I really, I really, really appreciate it. I appreciate that too, man. I'm so grateful to hear how this has impacted your life. I'm always grateful to hear how this has impacted anybody's life. Cause at the end of the day, that's pretty much why I started it. You know, I, I just, yeah. I was struggling. I didn't have a sense of community and I was like, man, I wish there was, I wish people were talking about this online and talking about this to each other. And Most definitely. I just never found it. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for you coming on and I'm grateful for anybody who's listening to this and, uh, yeah, I appreciate anybody who's made it this far and thank you for listening to the podcast and, and watching it and make sure to uh, check out the Instagram too, because um, for anybody who's listening to this, we have an Instagram page. And if you don't know, I like to post clips from the episode on there and there's, there's a lot of good stuff on there too. So make sure you know, check, check that out. Uh, feel free to, to give the podcast a rating on Apple music or on spot, not Apple music, sorry, Apple podcasts or Spotify or anything like that. And yeah, I appreciate all the listeners. I appreciate you, Chad.